it's not a matter of if, but a matter of when you're going to hit a sell slump in sales. It's what you do about it that makes all the difference. It's the thing that can speed you up and get you to close deals faster. Or there are things that you can make mistakes with that are going to hold you back and cause you to lose more deals. Every single message you deliver is really a sales call. Either you are selling or being sold. Salespeople love to brag about their skills. And the truth is, your success in closing sales depends on your skills, your abilities, and finding the right training. And the great news is, you have come to the right place here at The How to Sell Show with your hosts, Dale Bell and Scott Sylvanbell. And be sure to join the party at howtosell.live and download your copy of The 10 Common Mistakes Salespeople Make. Aloha from Sacramento, California today. Today's a good day. Today, I want to talk to you about sales slumps and a sales slump diagnosis. And at any given time in the world of sales, you can fall into a sales slump. You could be on the top one day and in the afternoon, whatever happened went sideways. You're no longer on the top. The longer that you stick into a sales slump, the more difficult it is to fix, the more difficult it is to diagnose, the more difficult it is to separate your personal life from your business life. And so what I want to go over with you are things that I've seen over the last 15 years of me trying to figure out what initiates a sales slump, what causes a sales slump, and how in the heck do you get out of it? And I will let you know, I kept really good notes from 10 years of writing with salespeople. I've got a list for you. There's pretty common trends that I could tell you that if I look or somebody tells me something's going on, I'm like, you are prime for a sales slump. So if things happen in your personal life, you uh, lose a boyfriend, lose a girlfriend, lose a husband, lose a wife, and that could be a living person or they leave you. Okay, So losing means either death or they decided to break up with you or walk away from you. It could be, let's just say a loved person, somebody that you care about deeply leaves your life. That's one thing. You can have a product line change, something you believed in, you no longer believe in, and your beliefs about the product are very evident to the buyers that you meet with. And people want to say, no, I can put on a good show. I'm going to promise you I've spent hours, days, weeks, months writing with people, and I can hear it in their voice when they believe in something, and I can hear it when they don't. And your buyer may not be keen to go, wait, something's wrong here. Your body's saying you love it, but your voice is saying otherwise, okay? So you can have a mismatch. People pick up on this all the time. It could be that you, you're in a new job or you're looking to get a new job because you've given up. Uh, I, I've had to meet with representatives before and I could say like, look, you're checked out. How many interviews have you gone on? They're like, how do you know I've been on interviews? I'm like, because you're not, whatever reason, you're holding back, you're sandbagging. And I can pick it up in the presentation. I feel it. Something's wrong. What's going on? How many job interviews? And then they usually admit like, yeah, I've, I've been looking for a new place to work for the last couple of months. And it usually goes with their trend lines. So a lot of times what salespeople will do is before they get fired, they start looking for a new position. They're like, well, I got to figure out what's going on with my pipeline. And then it's pretty evident in a sales presentation when it's going on. You could have a new boss or a new manager. You're not used to their style. You're not used to the way that things roll out. You know, they may, if you are given ups or if you're given leads, they may distribute leads differently. And whereas you were getting preferential treatment, somebody else is getting it now. And hey, that happens. Real deal. That happens. You could be focused on a change in the economy. You know, one of the worst things for you to do is pay attention to the news when you're in sales. The best thing for you to do is turn that off and not even look at it. 
And anytime that people start talking about disruptions in the marketplace, like you should be like, this is, this is bad stuff. You're going to give me the flu. And I'm not saying to put your head in the sand and not pay attention to what's going on. I'm saying pay attention only to the point where it helps you and ignore it to the point where it's going to hurt you. So like people start talking to me about like, Hey, Scott, the economy is going to go down. I'm like, yeah, you know what? At any given time, the economy could go down or it can go up. It's what you make of it. It's what you decide to do. So like these are the most common five things that I see that cause people so much angst, so much issues. And I would say like number six, phantom number six is they have unrealistic goals. You know, I, I see salespeople brand new, try to set the world on fire and try to set the goal that the top salesperson in the world has. And okay, occasionally it, it'll happen. And, but it's not every time, like sometimes in the industries that I work in, if somebody sells $3 million in a year, they're in the top 1%. And I will see somebody who come in who does not have the sales skills, that does not have the capabilities, say, I'm going to go sell $3 million next year. And I say, hey, great, I can help you get there, but we're going to have to put in a lot of work. We're going to have to put in a lot of effort. And like, yeah, I really don't need that. I'm good where I'm at. And, and I'd say, hey, look, you're being unrealistic. Now, most real, really big goals are unrealistic, so I completely understand that. But I'm talking to the point of they, their, their mouth is writing checks that their body can't cash. When people start going into a sales slump or they're in a sales slump, there's common phrases that they say to themselves. There's common things that they say, that they do. And I will sometimes have to have the conversation where I pull these things out, where I ask the person, what is it that you're telling yourself? Like, just give me your inner dialogue. You do have to pay attention to what's going on because what you tell yourself is the computer programming for your brain. So if you tell your brain enough things, enough times, at some point your brain's going to go, oh, I believe that. I get it. So like, uh, let's say that you're going to go into a presentation. You know, I'm, I don't really feel confident about my product, my service, my offer, and I don't think I ever will. Like for me, that's a red flag because someone's just programming that they're not ever going to feel confident about what they do. You know, here's the thing, Scott. I just want to get some numbers on the board. They don't have to be good numbers. They just have to be numbers. And sometimes, sometimes you do need a slump buster. But if that's every single one of your sales and that's all you're trying to do is the bare minimum... I start going, wait a minute, are you after the bare minimum or are you, are you trying to get better at what you do? Are you going to get better at what you do? You know, there, there's two ways to look at it. If you try, like you listen to Yoda, you know, there's no try, there's only do. Like you got to pick a team. There's no kind of here. I'm going to kind of be successful. Like, no, you're going to decide that you are going to be successful. I just, I just need to feel like I can do my job. Do your job. Just say what needs to be said. Give your presentation. Give it your all. And then there's like the despair moments, like the why me, why is this going down? And this is one of the toughest things to deal with because people start throwing up as many objections and red flags and brick walls that they can about why something can't be fixed. This is, I'm just going to take my marbles and go home and all I want to do is complain about it. And then sometimes salespeople will start down this path of, I'm no good. I'm no good. And this is one of the conversations that usually comes back to something that's happened in their, in their past or somebody who they're dating or they're married to that is causing them. They're no good. It could be somebody in their, in their, like their periphery. It could be a relative. It could be somebody they look up to. I don't deserve to be here. This is something where people feel like they're in over their head, but they don't know how to say I'm in over my head. And they'll say, I don't deserve to be here. This will never work. This will never work. And at that point, if somebody really means it, it depends upon how they say it. Somebody's like, this will never work. Sometimes they're mad and angry. 
But sometimes they're like, if this will never work, I'm done. I can't do this. I'm no good. Why me? I'm not good enough to ever be here. This person typically has been really beat up. And usually there's a lot of stuff going on in their life. And sometimes like, you know, people just say, I'm stuck. I'm always going to be stuck. There is a moment of frustration. There is a moment of like, I just need to get all of this off my chest. And then there's a moment where you buy into this. And this is what you program your brain with. Sometimes people, when they get mad, when they get angry, they just like, they want to let everything out. Hey, let it out. Let it fly. Say everything you need to say. But like, if you really want help, take the advice from the people that are around you. Okay. So we've gone through the possibilities of what causes a cell slump and what people say. Here are some things that you can currently do if you are in a cell slump. One, pay attention to your discovery phase of what's going on in your presentation. Salespeople, when they struggle, tend to start chopping out sections of their process. And the biggest place that they go to is they automatically assume what the buyer wants. They don't ask enough questions. They don't allow the buyer to ask what needs to be asked. Next, number two, they build way too much rapport so they don't have to get to the close, so they don't feel like they got rejected, so they feel like they have a friend, they feel like they got a buddy, they feel like they got a pal. Three, they use the I'm not a salesman, salesman route. So like they think like they can go in and they can build some crazy rapport by saying, I'm not a salesman, I'm going to do everything I can to help you, which like I don't have a problem with salesmen helping somebody out. But they, they totally start decimating, I'm not a salesperson, I've never been a salesperson, and it's a really awkward conversation. Sitting and watching the ping pong match as a co-pilot and hearing it, it just it never comes out right, and it feels very, very needy. Four, automatically walking in with price matching and discounting. It's really easy to want to do this. It's really easy to be like, I'm just going to go in. I'm going to do everything I can to make the sale. I'm just going to go in and close the deal. I just want to make it happen. And on the next one, I'll do something different. Like this is like, this is like sales crackmanship. It's a crack for salespeople. It's addictive. I'm just going to price match. I'm just going to discount just to get the job. And if you get caught up in this, this is not a profitable way for you to be a salesperson. And in a lot of instances, it's not salesmanship, it's order taking. And you got to realize that. And along with this comes down to crazy pricing. You know, if you move forward today, I'm going to give you this deal. And it's a today only deal. It's a Wednesday, it's a full moon, and I stub my toe. It's crazy pricing. I'm your friend, I'm your buddy, I'm your pal, I built up a bunch of rapport with you. And then the normal thing for a buyer to do is they go, this just feels, this feels bad. Something's wrong. I like the product. I like the service, but you are giving me the EBGBs. Ugh. Uh, sometimes it comes down to the next one, which is number six, people pleasing moves. And people pleasers typically have a tough time with overcoming objections. They don't say what needs to be said. They're just very passive about what's going on. And there can be a time and place for this. If you are in a sales slump, you got to recognize what's going on. Next, seven and eight, presentation time. Too short of a presentation, too long of a presentation. Too short means that you're taking out too many elements. Too long means you're sitting on an element or two way too long. And there is a time, there is a certain amount of time that a presentation needs to be. If it's too short, you're going to have to price match or discount to make the sale. If it's too long, then what's going to happen is you're going to have to get to the end and overcome crazy objections and it's going to turn into a long follow-up process. Last on this, number nine, heavy trash talking about the competition. Heavy trash talking about products and services. There is a normal amount of I'm better than everybody else. 
And then there's over the top. I'm way better than everybody else. I'm the man. I'm the man when it comes to being the man. I'm the awesome man when it comes to being the man. I'm the ridiculous awesome man when it comes to being the man. I'm a seven foot tall, awesome man, ridiculous to be the awesome tall. And like you look around, you're like, okay, I get it. There's a point of having confidence. And then there's also a point of fake confidence. And this is where heavy trash talking comes in. And I see this in sales slumps a lot where so much time is spent talking about why uh, you are so much better than everybody else and how you're so much better than everybody else. And it feels like a pro wrestling conversation where people would get up, you know, they, they would do their skit. I'm going to tear you down. I'm going to get you. I'm going to rip you limb from limb. I'm going to tie you to the back of a horse. I'm going to throw you off the roof. And to a buyer, there's a point where they just, they look disappointed. They look defeated. And I have seen this so many times where the salesperson has done a combination of all nine of these. No discovery, too much rapport, I'm not the salesman, salesman route, price matching, discounting to a crazy, crazy pricing, to all sorts of people pleasing, to too short of a discount, to too long of a discount, and then all the way to heavy trash talking. It doesn't feel professional. In fact, it feels very, very needy. And so the buyers look at it and they're like, yeah, you know what? I'll get back to you. And then the salesperson, because they've done so much heavy discounting in the beginning, they got nowhere to go. And then they spend all their time trying to follow up with these people if they even try to follow up with them. And then nothing ever happens, which leads to a further sales slump. So you're like, all right, Scott, I get it. Here's some things for a sales slump. What are some things that I could do outside of sales? All right. I'm going to give you all the healthy answers. Get some sleep. Get some sleep. Get a lot of sleep. Get some exercise, eat well, pay attention to what you're inputting into your body. You could use some yoga, some meditation. You could work on a hobby. I interviewed Dr. Sean Davis on episode number 50 of the How to Sell show, and we talked about closers addiction. And he talked about a study of people in professions like uh, police officers, law enforcement, doctors, and sales They don't get out of their industry enough. They get stuck in the industry, and that's the only thing that they talk about. They don't have anything else that they talk about. So they're always 100% on about the industry. And one of the things we talked about was making sure to get a hobby. Next, reassess your goals. I am a big believer in people. You know, it's something cool that I learned from my dad. My dad said, you know, always believe in people, always encourage people. But there is a point where you you were lying to yourself of saying what can be done. So, you know, if you really want to make a million bucks a year, you got to reverse engineer it by the day, by the month, by the week, uh, or by the hour of what you're going to do. And roughly what it comes down to, if you want to make a million dollars in a year, you have to bring home $3,000 a day. Okay. So like that's, that's how you figure out how you're going to make a million bucks, whatever industry you're in, whatever amount you want to sell, you're going to have to reverse engineer. What is it going to take for you to do that? And then how are you going to get to each building block? And then what are you going to do when you fall off, when things don't go well? Because the math on goals is not straight line. Like just the math on sales, you can have an awesome beginning of the month and a bad end of the month. You can have a bad beginning of the month, an awesome end of the month. You can have an even month where everything is just steady, or you could just have a bad month period. Look at your goals and see what's going on. Get a therapist and talk to somebody. Get it out of your soul. You know, my, my favorite saying to somebody when I ride with them is like, just get the poison out. And what do you, what does that mean, Scott? I'm like, just say everything that you need to say, get it off your chest. Just say like, if, if I was, if I was a priest and you knew that I was never going to tell anybody, which I won't, I won't, I won't tell you anybody what's going on. Just say it, 
get it off your chest, say all the things you need to say. I do this myself in my personal life. If I don't have a therapist, a coach, a mentor, or somebody to go talk to, I will go out somewhere where there's nobody around for miles and I will just talk. This is my problem. This is what's going on. And ah, it's off my chest. I don't, I, I just feel better. I promise you, I've done this so much. Half the time when I ride with salespeople, half of his sales coaching, half of his therapy. And it usually takes me about a day because I'll normally ride with somebody for three days. It normally takes me about a day for someone to be like, hey, Scott, can I tell you what's going on? And I'm like, this is where I say, like, give me the poison vomit conversation. Tell me everything that's going on. Get it off your chest. Tell me the problem in the office. Tell me the problem with the relationship. Tell me the problem that you're really having. And this, these are like the, the, the main areas that I get to. If it's in the office, somebody feels like they're being treated poorly for whatever reason. And it could be real and it could be fake. If it's a relationship, there's usually resentment in the relationship that sells people make good money. There's usually resentment in the relationship for how many hours are spent in the world of sales. And then the last on this list is a conversation about money. When salespeople are really struggling and they're worried about debt, it is a money issue. All right. So here's what you can do. Here is a list of things that you can do to help get out of a sales slump. And these are not always the glamorous things. These are the down and dirty. I'm having a problem. I need to get this fixed. Role play and practice. And this is the one thing that salespeople fight me on the most. Scott, I don't want to role play and I don't want to practice. I'm like, you're a little kid and you don't want to take your medicine. Your medicine in the world of sales and a sales slump is role play and practice. And you're going to have to do a couple of things in role play and practice as my prescription. You're going to record it. You're like, Scott, I can't record it. I don't have a video camera. I'm like, eh, try again. You've got a cell phone. Scott, I don't have enough memory in my cell phone. Okay, find somebody who does and pay them and borrow their cell phone for an hour. Well, I can't pay them money. Trade them, wash their car, do their dishes. All right, Scott, I can't get dishes. I can't do uh, a recording of a video. Fine, find some people that you can do a presentation in front of. Like you really want to put some pressure on yourself and get this done because all these excuses, exactly what they are. They're just excuses. And what it comes down to is you don't want to see yourself on film and you don't want to hear your voice. Let's just get it out of the way. I've done this enough in my life to know that these are the real problems. I don't like how I look. I don't like how I sound. You know what? You got to get over it because how you look on a video camera is how you look in real life and how you sound in a video camera recording or an audio recording is how you sound in real life. You don't hear the same voice through your, through your ears. You hear something different. I will promise you, once you get over this, this is one of the keys to being great at sales. Under pressure, your dominant traits come out. This is why you want a recording of your presentation. This is why you should have a baseline. You should have a recording of your presentation when you're doing amazingly well, and you should have a a recording of your presentation when you flat out suck, because that way you can be like, okay, what was my baseline? Oh, I didn't do one, two, three, and four. So like you take your recording You build a checklist of everything that you need to do. And every time you listen to the recording from the sales presentation that you give or the one that you practice, you stack it up against the checklist. Did I go through all 10 steps? Did I go through all 15 steps? Did I go through all 20 steps? What did I miss? What did I do? What did I not do? And you can reverse engineer what's going on. On this list, you can always write along with people. You can find somebody to write along with. Find the top guy or the top girl to write along with and see if they'll come ride with you. And just tell them, hey, look, all I need is the top three things to improve. I don't need 100. I just need my top three things. When I write with salespeople, I could tell them 100 things that they're doing wrong. The brain can only hold three. That's the magic number. I could tell you three things to fix. And what they are are the three biggest things to fix. What are going to give you the most amount of impact? 
Follow up when you lose deals and be very gracious about it. Listen to the person. Besides money, why did I lose this deal? So this is one of the questions that I would legitimately ask. I'd say, Mr. or Mrs. Prospect, thank you for having me out. It looks like I lost this deal. Can you help me out? I feel like I could have done something better for you. So besides the amount, besides the money, what's one thing that I could have improved on? Because if you ask them, what could I improved on? They're going to tell you it's the money. That's not going to help you. They may come back and say, hey, Scott, you know, here is what you did wrong. So recently I gave a body language presentation to a Fortune 100 company. And it's always tough to give a presentation to people that you know, because you're like, do I suit up or do I go business casual? Well, on this event, I chose to go business casual. And one of the biggest pieces of feedback for me is like, Scott, you should have suited up. And so I was just like, okay, it was good feedback for me. I had three really good pieces of feedback. I didn't give them handouts. They were upset about that. I go, okay, I get it. They should have had some some handouts. Uh, They wanted me to use PowerPoint. There was a reason why I didn't because the video would have been in my eyes and it would have just been funky and weird. But like I took it and like, okay, I have some valid things that I really need to work on. Will I ever give a presentation for body language outside of the suit? Nope, I made a decision on that. Will I ever give a presentation without a handout? I that's my fault. I fell down. I own it. I got to fix that. I, I could have typed something out and given it to them. I should have had uh, the presentation set up. So this is what normally happens when I go work inside of an organization and they give me an hour. They're like, hey, Scott, come be here at nine. And I get there at nine. I'm like, fantastic. I'm here at nine. And everybody in a sales meeting always wants to go over and ask more questions. So I had been allotted an hour and I was given 30 minutes by the time the end of the day was done. And sometimes your buyers do this to you. You have to have your long presentation and your short presentation. I present, I prepared for a long presentation. So I had my hour presentation ready to go and it was cut down to 30 minutes. I should have had all my time prepared. My fault. I got to own it. Last on the list. If you are in a struggle, there is nothing wrong with having a coach, a mentor, or a therapist, or somebody that you talk to. Sales is a very masculine industry. And for whatever reason, people never want to admit like, hey, I've got this problem. Because if they have a problem, they may not feel masculine enough to go out and make a sale or somebody can make fun of them. Uh, I learned something pretty cool from Dr. Sean Davis when I did uh, episode 50 with him. He's like, nobody needs to know that you go see a therapist unless you tell them. A doctor can't tell anybody. So I'm going to encourage you, if you're struggling, please go get some, some help from an appropriate person. Like I can't, I can't prescribe information for you to get mental health or things that you could do. I can give you some suggestions, but if you're struggling, please find a professional and do what you can to make sure that you get some work done with that person so that you're not in the struggle. So you're not having an issue. So things aren't going constantly sideways for you. It'll make life so much easier for you. Things will just happen faster. It'll just seem like, oh, I got the poison out. I had somebody to talk to. And sometimes people need to call you on your stuff. Not all the time am I right. Sometimes I screw up. Sometimes I have problems and I'm not doing things the right way. And I got to have a coach, a mentor, or a trainer, or somebody tell me, Scott, you're wrong. That is the value of having good people around you and being able to have a good conversation. I want to let you know your sales are important to me. That's why I put together so many episodes of the How to Sell Show. That's why I have over 2,500 videos of, on YouTube on how to selling and how to get better at selling and all the cool things that go along with it. If you just need somebody to say, hey, I believe in you, I believe in you. Keep going. Everything will work out. You're going to find your way. Thanks for checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You can join the party at howtosell.live to get the show notes, links, updates on new episodes, recordings of previous episodes, articles, as well as videos. 
You may not know this sales secret, but sharing this episode with a friend will bring you good luck. See you soon. Mahalo.